podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Here comes Bosco's Boys, here comes Bosco's Boys, right down Bosco's Boys Lane. Santa Claus, Scott, and all the boneheads on Willie's crazy train. Chauncey's chewing on the mistletoe, oh, what a beautiful noise. Grab a brew and talk KSU, cause here comes Bosco's Boys. Here comes Bosco's Boys, here comes Bosco's Boys. Here comes Bosco's Boys. Boom, the boys are back. The boys are back. Uh, recording this on New Year's Day 2023. This is the first episode of Bosco's Boys in 2023. 2022 was the greatest year of Bosco's Boys all time. Uh, I don't know if 2023 can top it, but we're going to try. Uh, the streak continues to live on for at least a couple days Today is going to be all about uh, the Sugar Bowl. Uh, a, a little bit of putting a bow on the football season. I'm going to probably have an episode here in the next couple days, either this week or next week, where I put a bow on the 2022 football season. But you'll get a little bit of that here today as well. Tomorrow, on Tuesday, you will hear my thoughts on the K-State win over the top 25 West Virginia Mountaineers in Jerome Tang's first Big 12 game as the head coach of the Kansas State Wildcats. A little bit of Texas preview, but if folks recall, I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I tried to say that you know the game versus West Virginia was not going to be an old school rock fight, prison ball, bully ball, uh, foul fest. Whatever your preferred uh, way, way to call uh, a basketball game with like 50 fouls. I tried to say that wasn't going to be the case. So obviously uh, until we get deeper into Big 12 play, we have no idea. Or at least I have no idea on what these uh, games are going to truly look like. But I'll talk a little bit about that Texas game as well. But today is all K-State football. is all Sugar Bowl uh, tomorrow, like I said. But Wednesday... Wednesday just might be the day. Just might be the day the streak ends. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see. If something crazy happens, if something crazy happens, uh, if K-State pulls off a top 10 road upset versus Texas, I might just have to hop on, do a quick take, hot take episode, uh, and the streak might live on. I don't know. We'll see. That's an 8 p.m. game. If it was a 6 p.m. game, uh, there's a chance the streak might make it a whole another week, but it's probably going to die on Wednesday. Before I get into uh, the Sugar Bowl, the final game of what was a banner year for K-State football, remember, we are sponsored by the best craft brewery in the entire state of Kansas, Manhattan Brewing Company. They've been rocking with us, and we've been rocking with them. Hell, we were rocking with them before they became a sponsor, but we, we've been rocking with them dating back to the summer. They helped kick off Blitz Month, and then they stayed with us. They are our favorite craft brewery, the freshest and most delicious craft beer in the entire state and region. They also have the best tap room and brewery to visit in the entire state, and I truly mean that. 
next time you're in Manhattan, make sure you stop in, have a couple pints, get a couple crowlers and four packs to go. And remember, always ask your local liquor store, the one you prefer, why don't they have Manhattan Brewing Company? Either it's already sold out because it's the best, or they're just leaving money on the table. Because I promise you, some Tang Party in any sort of liquor store in the entire state is going to fly out of the refrigerator. All right, let's get into the Sugar Bowl. Um, first and foremost, l- let me say this before uh, I talk about some of the individual moments, some of the individual players. Um, and again, f- fans are going to, and I want to give a shout out to Jimmy because Jimmy said it and I shouldn't have let it kind of annoy me and bug me as much as it did, uh, but fans are going to fan however they want. Um, because I, w- I was getting a little annoyed uh, in the second half uh, when things started getting away from us, um, from the Cats, from the team, on how some of the fans were reacting. There was some melting down and all that type of stuff. And I was a little annoyed. Uh, but as Jimmy pointed out, fans are going to fan however they want. I'm going to talk about how the game... I mean, the the final score, we we got beat. We got our butts kicked. I'm not going to try to sit here and say, oh, we didn't really get our... No, we did. But I think we're a lot closer to competing in that game um, than the final score shows. That's not moral victoring. That's not trying to say we didn't, you know, get our butts kicked. We did. We 100% did. But I think we were very close... To making it a game, and I think a ball bouncing another way at a couple of spots in the game, then who knows? We might have pulled it off. Uh, but before we get there, I I don't want the inverse of what happened in the Texas Bowl to infiltrate the fan base in the football program. I don't think it will infiltrate the football program at all. Uh, the culture truly looks to be exactly where Chris Kleiman wants it. I think there are plenty of leaders littered throughout the classes at K-State football. We're going to be losing a lot of uh, great football players, and we're going to be losing a lot of great leaders. But I believe in the culture that Chris Kleiman has built. But for the fan base, we we had a 7-5 and five regular season last year. And we had a what was one of the most fun, if not the most fun, bowl games of all time. And then all of a sudden, the fan base just exploded. Rightfully so from that moment on. And I think uh, because at that point, I believe we had already had Adrian Martinez committed. or may, I, I think we did. I think we already had Adrian Martinez committed. Um, and from that moment on in the bowl game, it was Big 12 championship game or bust. It was Arlington or bust for a lot of folks in the fan base. And while lots of folks laughed at us, some of the media got involved calling us the dark horse. We turned out to become the Big 12 champions. We currently have the best win in all of college football. You know, it's either going to be us in Georgia with the best wins in college football, or it will be... K-State alone with the best win in all of college football when the season is over. 
And we had a team who was going to the national championship on the ropes in their own house. And it took multiple injuries to key players to take that game away from us. And then we dominated the Big 12 championship game and it was only a couple self-induced errors um, that sent that game to overtime. This was a incredibly special season. It was a banner year. And I don't want anyone to try to devalue that because of how that bowl game went. So I hope if you're listening to this, you are not one of those folks. But, you know, I, I can only try to yield my influence over the boneheads. I don't think any of the boneheads are in there, but I, I was seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter and message boards. Maybe not a lot, but I was seeing some stuff on Twitter and message boards uh, melting down a little bit more than I would have expected. So I just hope we can all truly, when the, the history books are written on this season, after we're a couple weeks removed from the bowl game, we can sit back and reflect and truly appreciate how great a season it was. Now, moving on into the actual Sugar Bowl, folks, I tell you what, we we, we were very close early on. I mean, I don't have to tell anyone. We are moving the ball incredibly well, uh, turn the ball over on our first drive. Then we get up 10-0. Um, there's no reason. I mean, we, we very easily could have been up 14 nothing, 13 nothing. Uh, you know, after the first three possessions. K-State came out and Colin Klein proved that he once again had a great opening script. Uh, Joe Klanerman and the defense really were playing great, not allowing Bryce Young to get into a rhythm. Um, they handled the beginning of that game absolutely perfectly. Now, there are a few, there's really three moments I want to talk about that kind of swung the momentum in that first half, and it just just kind of destroyed us. The first one, again, after we're up 10-0, we have Alabama in a third and 10. They're about to go three and out, and... Probably the only other running back besides Deuce Vaughn, uh, an all-purpose playmaker, uh, plays for Alabama. Austin Moore gets put on a one-on-one. We're blitzing. We don't get to Bryce Young. Um, Austin Moore does well taking the first part of that route away. Gets beat towards the inside. Massive play happens. After that play, Alabama really started getting their swagger on offense. They truly started getting their swagger on offense. There's no real decision. There's no real uh, issue. Austin Moore just got beat on a play. It happens. It happens. Uh, I'm not upset about it. I'm not worried about it. It just sometimes happens. But if that play goes a little bit different, Austin Moore uh, is playing, giving away the outside, taking away the inside cut. We get to Bryce Young, get a sack. 
um, or he has a bad throw, something like that. All of a sudden, we're getting the ball back. All that momentum after the Deuce Vaughn run. I mean, who knows? I mean, everything could change. The next two momentum shifters, um, the massive ones to end the first half, and th- these are the ones that um, were talked about uh, along with the onside kick. Don't really have an issue with the onside kick either. Um, but, I mean, that one's like... <laughs> A little bit of head scratching. I don't think we're going to stop Alabama on that first drive. Um, So I don't have an issue with it. Ty Zentner executed that play perfectly versus Oklahoma a few years ago. Um, Just kind of uh, a fluke double kick happened. Um, So I was fine trying that right out of halftime. But the two plays uh, and decisions are going for it on fourth down. You're down. 14 to 10, you've perfectly and masterfully had an 18 play drive taken 10, 11 minutes off the clock. And it's fourth and goal from like the one and a half, two yard line. Chris Kleiman decides to go for it. And I instantly was on board with it. I loved the aggressiveness. I loved saying, hey, no, we want the lead at halftime. And it was the perfect play call. It was there. Ben Sennett beat his man, who is going to be the number three, number two or number three pick in the NFL draft, beat him. And Will Howard just didn't make the throw. It happens. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I was... Not, from, from the moment I saw it wasn't a touchdown, I didn't question it one bit. I thought that was the right call. I understand a lot of folks, especially seeing what happened next, would have said going in four, down one point would have been a lot better. I understand that. I think, I think a lot of folks are hindsight in 2020. 100% it is what it is. But you score that touchdown, and the play was there. I, I I just truly believe it was the right decision, and it was the perfect play call. The next one, uh, and, and the final specific decision that I'm going to talk about, is the decision to call a timeout. Nick Saban was content uh, wanting to go to halftime up 14-10. Um, they picked up three yards, uh, so they had it on the five-yard line. We call a timeout, uh, thinking either, hey, we can force a hold in the end zone, we can force a punt, get a chance to block the punt, something along those lines. Um, they call the timeout. Everyone in Chris Kleiman's almost entire time at K-State have questioned his desire to be aggressive at the end of halves. And I'm one of those people. And I think when it happened, when it happened, I said to my father, I don't know if I would have called that timeout or not. Ultimately, if you go by the books, if you go by the analytics, and if you go by what most fans 
have been clamoring for his entire career, he made the decision that most of us claim we want him to do. Be aggressive at the end of the half. Try to get the ball. Try to force a turnover. Try to get a stop. Get the ball back with great field position. Now, that one far more than the decision to go for it on fourth down is the one that I'm not completely on board with. I do think, while I'm a big analytics guy, I like going for it on fourth down. I like going for the touchdowns. Um, I get all of that. But you do have to take inventory of the momentum that Alabama had, scoring two straight touchdowns, knowing Alabama was going to get the ball back. I think in that moment, if Alabama is content with running the ball, we got to stop, and then just seeing it into halftime, I think you make that call. That said, he was confident in his defense getting a stop. He thought we were going to be able to make a play. It is nothing that I am going to lose sleep over. It's nothing I melted down over. I totally understood the decision. It wasn't the one I would have made. It's not what I said to my father when we were watching the game. But it is what it is. Yeah, and I lied. There's one other one I want to talk about because there was also a lot of talk on Twitter about kicking the field goal later in the game uh, where folks were flabbergasted uh, by that decision. Um, I, too, was surprised. But the reason why I did it was it cut it. it no matter whether you scored a touchdown or kicked the field goal, it was still going to be three possessions. So that's why I assume he did it. I, I did not go back and watch the press conference. I'm not sure if he was specifically asked about that field goal, but that's why I believe he did that. Ultimately, everyone is uh, is free to criticize, is free to question uh, what decisions are made. You don't have to agree with the decisions that are made. You don't have to agree with me saying that, hey, it was the right decision the right call down there on the four, on the fourth down you you can you can do that uh, you can call it however you want to that's just how i see it now if you start looking at individual player performances individual position performances um, let's get into that first off uh, we'll, we'll start with quarterback um, I got to say this. I was just happy to see Adrian Martinez out there. Um, I pers- Personally, I would have liked to see Adrian Martinez a little bit more uh, later in the game, especially when it was done. I wish we would have get- gotten a little bit more. And I think, truthfully, I think the game might have called for a little bit more Adrian Martinez than Will Howard. Having to account for the quarterback run game, and I don't know, I truthfully don't know if Adrian Martinez was healthy enough to be able to do that, make that the predominant game plan. I don't know. Uh, But I think the game was calling for that. It was great to see Adrian Martinez on the field one more time. Two carries for 12 yards. He had one, one of them went for eight. Um, and then there was some uh, handoffs to Deuce Vaughn, a couple handoffs. I think one of them was supposed to be a read. Um, I think he might have had the wrong read there. 
Um, ultimately, um, I, I think the game was calling for that, but I, I don't have an issue with how the quarterbacks were used. I was just very happy to see Adrian Martinez back on the field one more time in his college career, and I'm so grateful he was a K-State Wildcat. Now, back to, let's get to Will Howard. Um, Did nothing on the ground. He got sacked twice. He had one uh, rushing attempt that was not very good. Um, And Will Howard, you know, 18 of 35 for 210 yards, two interceptions. And I believe, I believe he started the game passing like seven of nine. So once Alabama truly locked in, I don't know if they made adjustments or if they just, you know, took them a while to get into the game. They truly neutralized Will Howard. Now, Will Howard was pretty, um, you know, he he had some tough luck, especially with, um, you know, Ben Sennett dropped. So he had two or three very uncharacteristic drops. And uh, that, that's a little frustrating. I, th- I think that creates a worse stat line for Will Howard. Um, but it, it's not the it's not the game you want Will Howard to go out on. Um, it's not the end of the world. I'm not overly worried about it. Uh, not ideal. Uh, because the two interceptions were not like world class type plays by Alabama. They weren't like tipped balls by the wide receivers. Uh, Will Howard made a poor decision trying to hit Deuce Vaughn on the wheel route on the first interception. Then he was just trying to force something, trying to make something happen on the second interception on our first drive of the second half. Um, it, it just wasn't a great game. It, it, quite frankly, outside of the first three drives, it, it was quite frankly pretty poor from Will Howard. Does that give me any worry about next year? No. Will Howard in K State will never, in the history of college football, play a better defense with more talent than this one. Now I, I know folks will like try to go back to you know the slobber knocker days of uh, college football when teams are only scoring nine points or whatever. It's a brand new game. Will Howard was going up against basically a future NFL defense. All eleven starters on Alabama are future NFL draft picks or NFL roster players, or at a minimum preseason players. All eleven of those guys will be in NFL training camps. NFL preseason games, and I would I would make a pretty large gamble that the that the majority of them, six of them, will be drafted. Hell, they have two or three first round draft picks for this upcoming draft on that defense. So I'm not holding that against Will Howard. I'm not all of a sudden uh, jumping off the Will Howard bandwagon. That is not what I'm doing. Will Howard had a very tough night at the office. Uh, versus the single best defense I think K-State has ever played. I'm not going to lose sleep over it, and no one should. But it was just a rough night. you got to call it like you see it. 
Speaking of rough nights, Deuce Vaughn, of his 133 yards rushing, he only had 45 yards, 45 of those yards, on 21 of his carries. He had his magical 88-yard carry. Uh, If it is, in fact, his final game at K-State, a brilliant final highlight for him. But outside of that play, he was held to just two yards a carry. Um, He was getting swallowed. Um, He was finding some squirts, yes. But I think when it was all said and done, Alabama ended up with eight tackles for loss. So it, it, it was a rough night for Deuce Vaughn. But that one play, that one play that was perfectly blocked, Cooper Beebe had one of the best plays of his career on that block, sliding forward, picking up two guys, creating that seam so Deuce Vaughn could take it the distance. 88 yards, the longest play from scrimmage in K-State Bowl history and tied for the longest play of scrimmage in K-State history as well. So another play to put Deuce Vaughn in the record books at K-State. Uh, but, but it was a slow night for him. Weirdly enough, DJ Giddens had the better game if you're looking at uh, averages. He was tied for the team lead in uh, receiving yards with 48. Had 67 yards rushing the ball. So he was at what? He was at 105. 105 yards from scrimmage on 15 touches. Now... Again, so, so, you know, Alabama called off the dogs a little bit on defense. You know, he was going up against some of those second stringers or, you know, still future NFL guys. Um, but it was encouraging to see DJ have that performance in the bowl game. He had a 38-yard run. He had a 36-yard reception. Again, is he going to be Deuce Vaughn? No. Deuce Vaughn truthfully is, and I'm not kidding, he is on the Mount Rushmore of K-State skill position players. He is the only two-time consensus All-American on offense K-State has ever had. I think you can make the argument he is the greatest running back K-State has ever had. You can make the argument he is the better player at K-State than Darren Sproles. That might have to, we might have to have a debate series, you know, in the off season, get someone to argue in favor of Deuce Vaughn, someone to argue in favor of uh, Darren Sproles. But Deuce Vaughn, we will be chasing a whole generation trying to quote unquote replace Deuce Vaughn. But if DJ Giddens is running back number one next year, that doesn't scare me one bit. DJ Giddens next year very well could be, you know, an honorable mention All Big 12 guy. Maybe even second team All Big 12 because, again, uh, the Big 12 while losing, you know, they're probably going to be losing the four best running backs in the conference. 
because weirdly enough, Deuce Vaughn, I don't think has ever been first team all conference, but he's been an all American all three years, including consensus all American, his final two. That just kind of shows you how loaded the big 12 has been at running back during his time at K state. Um, but DJ Giddens can be an all-conference type running back. And we saw in that bowl game how great he can be. I'm looking forward to uh, the DJ Giddens era, whether it starts in 2023, like I am expecting, uh, or in 2024. Uh, and and I, I, again, he, he will never be Deuce Vaughn. He is DJ Giddens. Uh, but we're still going to have all-league type production at running back. I firmly believe that. Moving on to the wide receivers, um, you know, Cade Warner left it all on the field his final game. Five receptions for 48 yards. Phillip Brooks, four for 44. I really wish his final uh, reception could have got him in the end zone. Jaden Jackson, two for 16. We see him right at the end. Uh, his his two first catches as a Wildcat. Malik Knowles, a disappointing one for six. Uh, and then one carry for two yards. I don't think he was at 100%. I was very happy he was able to get out on the field. Um, RJ Garcia got some playing time as well. I believe Seth Porter got some time at wide receiver as well. No stats. Um, but I, I wish Malik could have had a better final game. Um, as a Wildcat, um, it's not going to affect his legacy. I love that he made the CBS All-American team. I love that he made uh, as a all-purpose weapon. I love that he made second-team All-Big 12 as a wide receiver. I feel like Malik Knowles showed his potential. He, sh- he, he lived up to the potential we all knew he had this season. Um, it's just a little too bad he got banged up in that Big 12 championship game and he obviously wasn't at 100% uh, this game. Uh, Fullback side end, so it's really just Ben Sennett. Three receptions for 48 yards. He started the game very hot. He started the game hot. Um, He had a couple whiffed missed blocks. He had a couple... uh, uncharacteristic drops including one for a touchdown including one on a third down which was just a beautiful ball both of them beautiful balls from will howard it happens uh, the, the guy is going to be our number one pass catching threat next year i think he's going to be first team all big 12 whether or not he is listed at a, as a tight end or fullback I think he is going to be postseason, first team, all Big 12 regardless. This is not, uh, you know, this is similar to my comments on Will Howard. Uh, this game does, is not going to affect my opinion on what Ben Sennett is going to be next year. Will The Will Howard to Ben Sennett connection is going to be, you know, I don't want to say Mahomes to Kelsey uh, or Brady to Gronk. Uh, because those those are Hall of Fame connections. But it is going to be the connection that we all look for on a big third down. It is going to be the connection we all look for in the red zone next year. Uh, I, I have no doubt Ben Sennett is going to be a two-time, maybe even three-time 
first team All Big Twelve player. And I don't, I, and I don't think it'll matter next year, or the following year, whether or not we list him as a tight end or fullback. You know, making it a fullback just makes it a little bit easier because um, you know that's how we got his Big Twelve honors this year. He he was listed on a fullback for postseason awards. Uh, but but the guy is going to rack up the awards for rest of his time at K-State. I have no doubt about that. Moving to the offensive line, again, similar with all the offense, things were really clicking early. Again, I, I believe we held Will Anderson. Um, I mean, did he get a tackle? You know, the future top five draft pick didn't get a tackle. Uh, so we schemed away from him. We did give up two sacks, uh, eight tackles for a loss. So it's not ideal, but they were the reason why we had those big plays. It was perfect blocking, especially by Cooper BB on both the DJ Giddens 30-yard run and the Deuce Vaughn 88-yard run. Um, and I think at most of the time, they did a pretty decent job uh, trying to keep Will Howard upright. You know, again, it was always going to be tough. That is one of the best rush defenses in the entire country. You're going up against, again, the entire front six, front seven for Alabama will be draft picks. It was a tough game. It was a tough game. Now, the, the talk about will all five of these guys come back? I, I, I'm still, and I need to kind of see it to believe it with Cooper Beebe. I, I, I really hope he decides to come back um, because getting all five of those guys back, getting uh, Taylor Portier back from injury, continued development from uh, Andrew Linegang and all the young offensive linemen, if they all come back, uh, look out. I mean, I again... No matter who's the running back, Deuce Vaughn, DJ Giddens, a transfer, they are going to love their life. Will Howard is going to love his life if all five of these guys come back. We'll flip over to the defense next. Um, giving up 45 points is, I mean, it's never going to be, it's not going to be a great day at the office. They started off super hot. VJ Payne got a sack. Daniel Green got a sack in his final game. You know, Robert Hentz broke up a ball. Felix and DK Uzama getting held all game long. I mean, it really was just a story of what we have come to see, come to expect, uh, you know, for some of the star players. But ultimately, you're going up against the guy who's going to be a future First round draft pick. Uh, I, I know a lot of folks were kind of uh, saying that, you know, Julius Brents had a rough game and he, he didn't have a great game. You know, Josh Hayes got burnt a couple times, yes. Um, but again, you're going up against five star athletes. You're going up against uh, the best quarterback, the best pure quarterback, the best thrower of the ball in all of college football. I mean, sometimes you just get beat. And this defense has not just gotten beat too many times. You know, that first half versus Texas, that second half versus TCU, uh, and then really the second and third quarter versus Alabama. 
Again, it wasn't a lot that they got beat, but again, uh, when Alabama just gets rolling, they will expose any singular bad step your secondary makes because that is how good Bryce Young is at quarterback. I mean, five touchdowns, he only had six incompletions, and I think I think five of them happened in the first two drives. I mean, sometimes you just got to tip your cap and just say it is what it is. You know, it was a it was a failing performance from the defense, but again, I don't think that's an indictment on Joe Klanderman. I don't think it's an indictment on those guys. I think that you just ran into the on his best. When when Bryce Young is at his best, there isn't anyone in college football who comes even close to him. You did uh, hold, you know, Jameer Gibbs to only five yards of carry with a long of 22. He did beat you, uh, you know, again on that 60-yard, uh, you know, passing catch uh, that really opened up Alabama. That's what got them going. Uh, it's too bad. Um, but, you know, it just is what it is. I, I think ultimately when it comes to the defense – you know, I can spend time kind of harping about one thing or another, but um, I think ultimately sometimes you just get beat. Now, I- I'm super glad, kind of on both spectrums of things, VJ Payne, the future of K-State football, uh, you know, he is a redshirt freshman, or he might be a true freshman. I can't remember. But he's a freshman, getting a sack, getting some big hits, playing with a lot of passion, you know, the future of K-State football. And then I'm glad Daniel Green got that sack. Daniel Green's final game at K-State, an absolute stud. I'm really glad he got that. Ultimately, I, I, I think when when we start looking to the future, I, 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 I think that the future is bright on the defense. Um, and we'll just have to... Wait and see what happens. Moving to special teams, I gotta give a shout out. Seth Porter got two tackles. Uh, you know we love we love the Porter brothers here on Bosco's Boys. Um, I think Shane was mixing it up with some Alabama players as well. I really hope Seth comes back uh, because I think he can be an asset on offense, and we know he is along with his brother a special teams ace. You know, one of those guys who. Uh, honestly, there should be an all Big 12, you know, position for special teams ace for guys who will just go down there and just gun people down on kickoffs and punts. Because um, both those brothers, both those men uh, did that again. Um, kind of a rough night. Ty Zentner uh, punting the ball. Uh, you know, his uh, average was 42. He had uh, one inside the 20. He had a long of 53. I uh, had a couple shanks because um, again, no one on the team perfect was perfect. Nobody had an A plus game, um, uh, and, and him included. But he does get two more field goals, two more extra points to finish his place kicking career as uh, perfect. Ty Zentner never. Oh no, that is not true. Missed that super long field goal in the Texas Bowl last year. So not perfect, but he finishes the season perfect. Uh, again, uh, one of the best kickoff specialists we've ever had. 
probably a top five punter that we've had. And then again, I, I think maybe the biggest mistake uh, Chris Kleiman has made uh, in the post in his in his time at K State is probably not uh, having Ty Zentner do all three um, kickoff punt. Uh, and, well, I guess he had Devin Engdahl and Blake Lynch in front of him, but uh, you know the final two years. Because he came back for his super senior season. This year and last year, he should have been doing all three from the jump. Uh, that might be one of Chris Kleiman's biggest mistakes so far uh, during his time at K-State. Ty Zentner will be remembered as one of the best uh, kickers of the ball. Whether punting, place kicking, or kickoff uh, in K-State history. He'll go down in lore. Ultimately, uh, you know, I think... Despite the score, you lost by 25 points. A few things go your way here or there. You're right there with the best, the, the most talented. I, I won't say best. They've lost twice this year. But the most talented team in college football. You were a couple plays, a couple bounces of the ball away from being right there with them. You know, you beat the team who is now in the college football championship. Uh, This is nothing but a successful season. Uh, And and I will, there's, I I have no time for anyone who is going to try to devalue it because of the final score of that bowl game. And I think K-State fans really need, or should be, no one needs to do anything. I think... K-State fans should be very encouraged and enthused of what the future is going to hold. Um, And again, we we saw it in that game. We we saw how close we can be. So I'm looking forward to the future. Um, Ultimately... um, you know, it's a banner year. I, I think we're going to try. I'm going to try to have a, uh, whether it's Fan, Jimmy, um, whether it's Derek Young, whether it's, you know, Mason Voth, whether it's Drew Galloway. I'm going to try to, in the coming weeks, kind of have a final reflection on this football season. But football never ends. We will be talking about transfer portal in and out. We will be talking about, you know, the NFL draft, and we'll, we'll be talking about uh, the K-State players who do or don't decide to uh, enter the NFL draft. Um, and then before you know it, it'll be spring ball. And then, uh, yeah, it, it is. it does suck. College football is the best sport in the world, and you only get it for about three months. Uh, so I hope everyone enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, so we love you guys. Um I'm about to record, uh, and you guys will hear it tomorrow, uh, some basketball talk because uh, it was a massive win inside Bramlage Coliseum, and then there's a pretty big game on Tuesday down in Austin, Texas on Longhorn Network. So for Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup, the best co-host in the world, uh, we love you guys. Hope everyone had a safe New Year's Eve celebration. I hope we all have a great 2023. Go Cats.
Podcast Network.